Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy the episode. When I came here, uh, the church was almost one year old, first time I was here, and was telling Danette different things, places as we came in, stayed with the bakers at their home the first time. And again, this was, I think you'd been in the building here just a matter of weeks, first time I came. And we were actually on deputation going to Norway in Northwestern Europe. And uh, story, long story of how we believe the Lord had called us there. We spend all of our finished graduation, I mean, finished college, graduate, we're on deputation already. And we're missionaries on deputation, typically here, more missionary presentations than most church members ever will. Think of missions conference week after week and you're hearing all these different fields presented and burdens, but nothing ever rang true to our hearts until January of 1986. Norway, 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 a Norwegian family we found out lived near us, taught a little of the language, a little of the culture, just enough of the language to get in trouble, but not enough to get back out of trouble. Um, we were in a missions conference in Greenville, South Carolina, and the main speaker was president of a mission board, pastor of a church. He had been to Trinidad in the very bottom of the Caribbean, trying to get that field reopened to independent Baptists. And had stopped over in Grenada for just a few days, was sitting in a restaurant in the capital eating a meal, and a gentleman walked up and asked me, could he sit with him? He sure. And they got to talking. The gentleman introduced himself. He was the Supreme Court Justice for the country of Grenada and said, something about you just bore witness you're a Christian. And he said, yes, matter of fact, I'm a preacher. And he got talking to him. He begged him to stay. They'd just come out of the communist regime imploding. President Reagan had sent the troops in, set up an interim government. They had just had their first free elections. Everything's working right. But the Supreme Court Justice in tears told him what our people needs, the Word of God. We don't have churches. We don't have preachers. And he said, well, I can't stay. I'm a pastor of a church. I'm president of a mission board. He said, you, you send missionaries. Well, not exactly, but, you know, how do you explain it? Somebody doesn't understand independent Baptist missions. And the Supreme Court Justice promised him any missionary you'll send to us that'll preach the Bible. We'll put it in their passport. They can stay as long as they preach the gospel. He made that plea that night. And the first time, I guess, ever, oh, you can understand a burden on somebody's heart and a need in a place, but first time since we surrendered to go to Norway, we thought, man, if we weren't going to Norway. Well, that was late January. March 15th, we got a letter from the Norwegian consulate saying our applications had been denied. 
initially we were in shock. Most of the day was spent with a terribly black cloud over our heads. Late that night we thought, where's Grenada? <laughs> Dug out the Encyclopedia Britannica's we'd bought to take to the mission field with us. And Grenada was such a big important place, the entry was Grenada, comma, Sea West Indies. After a day or two, we called that pastor and asked him what he knew about Grenada, who was there, was anybody there yet, and filed our papers with Norway again. The country could deny you entrance or just the city. You had to apply to the country and to the city. Thought if the city said no, we'll pick a different city. But when we got the final papers back saying no, it was the country that denied our entrance, we're almost to the point of saying, Lord, if you'll just let them say no, we'll go to Grenada. Well, I went from the mailbox and I got the final denial, walked to the house, handed it to Danette, called a travel agent while she's reading it, and booked a flight to Grenada. Missionary that we had found out, he had just gotten there. He told me, he said, you have wasted your money, you've wasted your time, you only allowed yourself a week here. Nothing happens that fast. In three days, we had our papers filed, approved, a house rented, and I had two days just to go goofing off and sightseeing. When God closes the door, He can close it real good. When He opens one, He'll throw you through it, you know. And we got to Grenada, and for a time, I really struggled. Lord, how could I have missed your will this far? Norway and Grenada have nothing in common. I'm built for cold weather. I like it. Grenada's 12 degrees off the equator. Yeah, it's either hot and wet or hotter and wetter. Um, dry season is dry, but anyway, <clears throat> you're the one that's wet. And I struggle, Lord, how could I miss your will that far? People are being saved. The church is being started. But I still struggled with it. One day, a national pastor had asked me to give him a ride next time I'm going to the capital. So I sent word what day I was going, and I stopped and got him. And typically by yourself, a man would not give a woman a ride, you know, just testimony-wise. And here's a white woman and a little girl on the side of the road. I've got a national pastor with me. Sure, I'll give her a ride. So I pull over. I hadn't even got stopped, and Brother Dennis was out the window. Lady, you don't wave down a private vehicle for a ride. This is not a hire bus. I said, Dennis, be quiet. You ask for a ride. Oh, they're not really that rude, but they're very blunt. I asked where she's going, she said, so I told her to get in. We'll go right by there. I hadn't even hit second gear in that little three-cylinder Subaru, and he turns around and said, where are you from? You're not from here. I'm thinking, be quiet. And she said, I'm from Norway. I looked up in the rearview mirror, and I said, yeah, for a Norg. I asked her in Norwegian, are you from Norway, boy? Her eyes got big, and I'm watching her rearview mirror and trying to drive. And she whispered, yeah, for a Norg. I said, no. She said, she said, you from Norway? I said, no. She said, you snuck a Norsk. I said, yeah, I snuck a Norsk. I lit the ground, speak Norwegian a little bit. And that's about all I knew. And she had had a falling out with her mom and dad and left home. My daughter would get mad. She'd go to her grandparents. This kid got mad, and she went to Grenada. <laughs> Things had been reconciled, and she was going to a travel agent to book a flight home. We talked where my wife and I had been in Norway, people we'd met. And she was going home to her parents. 
They lived in a little village outside the capital. And I said, well, we stayed with a family that lives outside the capital in a village called Skurjanasen. And she said, my mom and dad live in Skurjanasen. And I said, well, do you know where the turkeys, turquoise, blue, apartments are on the mountain overlooking the capital? And she said, my mom and dad live the first street behind those apartments. If you put eternity on a timeline, how long is six years? Maybe a straight pin needle point. God took six years of our lives from my first year of Bible college, four years of school, deputation, to give us a love for the Norwegian people, a little bit of their language, to send us to an island where a Norwegian girl was learning what reconciliation meant. We could give her the directions to the door of an independent Baptist missionary a block from her mom and dad's front door. Took a Norwegian Bible and Norwegian gospel tracts to Grenada. Always wondered why <laughs> till that day. God may do something in your life you don't understand at all. But just remember, he sees the end from the beginning and vice versa. He called us to a people in a place that was cold spiritually, then sent us to a place where in a two-week tent meeting, 57 souls were saved, but allowed us to give the gospel to one Norwegian girl on the whole island. We started and left to work with a national pastor. We come home on furlough. The Lord gave us our Samuel. Surgery after surgery when he was little, uh, therapies. We knew we couldn't justify flying back and forth from the Caribbean for doctor's appointments and surgeries and just, okay, Lord, the church has their own pastor. What do you want us to do? When we went to Grenada, Fellowship Track League gave us more tracks and there were people on the island. We didn't know it, but we were a distribution center for them on the very bottom of the Caribbean there. Every church, national pastor, missionary, all the tracks they wanted for free. Three months after Samuel was born, the founding pastor had a massive heart attack at 51. Pastoring the church, directing the printing, traveling as their only rep. Three months after his heart surgery, he asked me to pray about being their first full-time representative. And I love you, pray for you every day, but not interested. Oh, but you'd be perfect for this. I said, Pastor, being a representative of anything means deputation till Jesus comes. No, not interested. First week of February was 30 years ago we started representing Fellowship Trackley. <laughs> Perpetual deputation. Pastor in Florida, we were there presenting track ministry. Had gone out to Wendy's for supper after church Sunday night and found out we had been missionaries in Grenada. And he'd tell him he's a national he'd met, good friend of ours. He'd want him to come preach a meeting. And I said, oh, you'd love it, man. I, we were just excited talking about Grenada. And he said, wait, wait, wait a minute. You said they're British background? I said, yeah. He said, they drive on the wrong side of the road. No, they actually drive on the left side of the road. But the steering wheel's on the wrong side of the car. I said, no, actually, it's on the right side of the car. Forget it, I'm not going. He said he'd been to England, nearly got killed numerous times for getting and going to the other side. And then he said, you drove down there? I said, yeah, four years. He said, if I pay your plane ticket, will you go with me and drive? I said, you want to go tomorrow? British West Indies Airline leaves Miami every day at 1. You want to go tomorrow? The thought of getting to go home. Between his knee surgeries and my schedule, a year went by, and we'd never been able to work it out. 
And finally, Danette said, why don't we see if we can raise the money and you go, because I was probably driving her crazy. Your church and one in North Carolina covered the whole expense of me going home. Got to go to the island for two weeks and preach in the church we started and preach in meetings for the other churches. And just, I told her one time on the phone, I said, if I thought the Lord had let me get away with it, I'd tell you, just sell everything and come on, I'm just staying. We loved it. We loved the people and the place. That was 12 years after we left before I got to go back first time. 17 more years before I got to go back again. One of my closest friends, a pastor in North Carolina in July of 2018, was diagnosed with a brain tumor. They did further tests, found out it was a tumor attached to a cyst. They said if it's stage one, if both of them are stage one, you'll live to see your grandkids grow up. They were going to remove the whole front right lobe of his brain, did not affect him, touch him, squish him, cut him. Chemo, radiation, surgery for both stage one. If either one is stage two or three, you've got five years or less. If either one is stage four, you've got less than a year. Nobody's ever survived this. They did the surgery August 1st of 2018. Both the tumor and the cyst were stage four. The week between his consult and his surgery, he had preached at a mission board's Jubilee Week candidate school and a bunch of national pastors from the Caribbean or through that mission board. A group of Grenadian pastors had been told about his tumor and surgery. They said, Brother Jeff, if you're still alive in January, will you come preach for us? And uh, that's, that's just the way they think. If you're still living in five months, will you come to the island and preach for us? Well, uh, we'll pray about it. They did the surgery. I went and spent a week with him because I thought my best friend's going to heaven soon. That was the only days he didn't drive himself an hour each way for radiation. The people at the Radiation Cancer Center said, he's not taking his chemo or something. I said, oh, no, he took it on the way here. He offered it to me, and I didn't want it. But he would get there and walk laps around the waiting room until they called him back for his radiation treatment. Chemo, radiation, massive scar from taking almost a fourth of his brain out. November, he asked the doctor, said, do you think I could go to Grenada and preach in January? And he said, I don't know why not. You've broken all the other rules. You've not got sick. The only thing that's happened is you're diabetic. Um, last August was three years since his surgery. And being diabetic, still the only thing's happened. His family and his church family weren't too keen on him going to the very bottom of the Caribbean, the little third world almost island, five months after brain surgery. His kids remembered that's where we had been missionaries, and they said, well, if Brother Tom could go with you, keep an eye on you, make sure you're okay. <clears throat> so he sent me a real detailed text message. I'm going to preach in Grenada in January. That's it. Well, I text back, can I go? He called and told me his church would pay my plane ticket and place to stay if I could go with him, drive him around, take care of him, keep an eye on him. I thought, I get to go home. <laughs> I get to spend 10 days with my best friend. While we're there, I'm telling all the pastors, thrilled to see the churches have been starting churches and doing great. Told them I wanted to work on raising the money for a load of tracks so they'd have all the gospel tracks they needed. And the pastors, okay, thanks. 
I'm like, no, 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 you're supposed to be more excited than this. This is a big deal. Then every day, at least one, sometimes up to three pastors a day would get me aside and say, Brother Tom, we appreciate it, but what we really need is Bibles. And I remember dumb looks are easy for me. Um, I don't do Bibles. I work with Fellowship Track League, you know, gospel tracks. And they'd kind of shrug it off. And after four days of that, I asked the same pastor that was riding with me the day I picked up the Norwegian girl. I said, Brother Dennis, what is going on that everybody's asking for Bibles? And he said, well, the only store in our country that sold Bibles closed last year. On three islands, if somebody, one of our churches needs a Bible, theirs is falling apart. There's nowhere in the country to get them one. If somebody in one of our villages gets saved, there's nowhere in the country to go buy them a Bible except the Catholic bookstore in the capital and all they'll order Catholic Bibles. And I come home brokenhearted and arguing with the Lord, but I can't do that. I can't afford the postage. Well, the Lord had other plans. Uh, about two months into it, sitting at our home church in a missions conference, the I'm still, Lord, I can't do this. And the missionary was showing his video, their own deputation, going to Fiji, showing the Bible project BIMI had done in Fiji. We were aware of it. We'd given to it. And the Lord said, you've been worrying about a box at a time. You're going to do the whole country just like that. And I'm going to do what? And three weeks later, I surrendered. Lord, if you really think you could use me, I'm willing, but... You know me better than I know me, and I can't do that. And um, called the national pastors, began a whole lot of praying. And Brother Kagan said, We'd, you'd come down the track league when we shipped our five billionth track, and we were talking at lunch, and said, you need a website? And I said, yeah, I do. And I was telling him what I had, and he said, no, you just need one for information. And I said, yeah, but I've been praying about a website. BIMI, what they've been doing in New Guinea, every morning they'd go to the schools, they'd open up the boxes and rubber stamp the name of the churches close by to that school in the back of the Bible. Well, in Grenada, they'll put up a temporary building, a little wooden building. And if the church takes off and things are going well, they'll build a permanent building, sometimes on the same piece of land, sometimes down the road. Same pastor it starts, it may stay, or he turned over to a preacher boy and he'll go start another. How do you update 80,000 rubber stamps? So I thought when I was there in 1986, when we moved there, a party line phone was a 10-year waiting list. You had to wait for that many people to die just to get a party line. In January of 2019, there's cell phones everywhere. You see people's faces lit up evenings on their front steps as you drive down the road on their phone or tablet. And I thought, Internet. We need a website. Instead of rubber stamp, let's let the homepage be a map of Grenada and every independent Baptist church, one of those little Google map points, and you click on it, and there's a web page for that church. Put the people in touch with the churches. Well, I told Brother Kagan that idea, and he said, well, I don't know how to do that, but we'll get you a website up. Well, your church has paid for the hosting and the domains, and he built it. Just a couple of weeks after the website went live, he was at a conference on evangelizing the Great Lakes region. And the presentation was part video, part PowerPoint. And the fellow had a map of the Great Lakes area and all of the churches 
cities of so many without a church, where the churches were, click on one of the little dots for a church, and there's that church's webpage. He said, that's exactly what Brother Tom was talking about. Goes to the guy and asks, who did the you know, your presentation? He had. Who wrote the code for it? He had. Told him what we were looking for, and the guy put it on a flash drive and hand to him and said, here you go. God has been doing this the whole time. Far beyond anything I could imagine. I, he'd ask about a video tonight, and I'm, no, we got the little PowerPoint. I put part of it together here the first time when we did some video recording, and I was nervous as could be. I'd never presented this anywhere. And um, we've shown it, I think, three times total. I thought, man, I'm going to have to get a video done, professional, and all this to help raise money. We started with the first offering August of 2020. A church up in the mountains of North Carolina gave us $2,000. By February of 21, we had 15000 By April, May, we had 30000 By September, we had over 400000 By October, we had over 500000 Forget professional videos. Forget The Lord raised over a half million dollars in five-month stretch. And... Anybody ever seen a normal height, average height dad walking at a normal pace and the two or three old just running, trying to keep up? I've been the kid running, trying to keep up with what the Lord's doing. Have a Bible publishing company, commercial Bible publishing company. I called ChristianBook.com one day and said, I'm looking for a Bible printer that will do a custom run of King James Bibles for us at cost. The lady had answered the phone and said, you mean at a discount? I said, no, ma'am, I'm praying God will give us one to do it at cost. You mean at wholesale? I said, no, ma'am, I'm praying God will give us a Bible publisher to do it at cost. Well, over the next few weeks, the owners of ChristianBook.com, who just happened to own their own Bible publishing company, told the fellow I'd talked to that day, said, if he picks one of ours, we'll do it at cost. 80,000 custom run King James large print red letter edition sewn binding plan of salvation added in the front fly leaf 15 pages of doctrine in the back fly leaf at cost brother Wayne Schneider laid the foundation of all those pages for us so your church has had so much in this from the beginning way back then and through the Bible project COVID and everything else has happened. I get to go to Grenada in February. A pastor back in South Carolina went with me. And we had a tentative appointment with the prime minister for 7 o'clock in the morning, Thursday morning, later the week. First thing on his day before everything else got going. But we had not been able to get an appointment with the minister of education, who is also the minister of religious affairs. Prime minister gave his blessing, wanted it done. Two problems. One, it's an election year. He's got to make everybody happy, so he didn't want to be personally involved. And he said, besides, she's the minister of education. She's the minister of religious affairs. you got to do it through her. Getting an appointment with her had been a pain for sure. Then she got a cold. We're there 10 days. She got sick. Even the prime minister canceled appointments with her. Everybody's so afraid of COVID then. Ended up, we got an appointment with her on Sunday afternoon at her home. 
we had a free day and we drove up to the village where we'd started the church in Telescope years ago and pulled up on to go visit a lady. I didn't know she was still living. It's kind of awkward to call and say, is your mom still living? She was 85 when I was there three years ago. Pulled up in front of the house and a daughter I'd not met stuck her head out the window through the wrought iron, wrought iron bars and said, we're taking no visitors, COVID. I said, oh, okay, no problem. Just tell me, is Miss Margaret still live here? said, yeah, that's my mom. She's still living. I said, okay, tell her Pastor Tom was on the island for a few days and I just wanted to come see her. Well, she ducked through the curtains, told her mom, and I could hear her mom in the house hollering, don't let him leave. <laughs> so we got to go in, sit down and visit with her. And she'd been a school teacher from the age of 16 till she retired at 55. And loving the Lord as she had and having been saved in our work and us primarily taking the Bibles into the schools and then to supply the churches. I knew she'd love that. Wanted to share that with her. And she was excited and telling her how the Lord had done these different things. And she said, well, tell me, are you getting everything you need here? And I said, well, we've got an appointment with the Prime Minister for Thursday morning early. Haven't been able to get one with the Minister of Education yet. And she said, you can't get an appointment with Emmeline? I'll call her. I'm thinking, okay, number one, how do you know her on a first-name basis? How do you know her in such a way? You'll say, I'll call her. She said, that's my grandniece, her great-niece. Said when she was young, she lived in the village here, and I took her to church with me. Well, we got an appointment with her. Didn't have to pull her aunt card out, and, but the Lord gave us the appointment while I'm there at her home telling her all the things our God had done to do this. She was just amazed at what the Lord had done and gave her the Bible, we're, the template, or basically the Bible we're getting. And I said, by the way, I just learned this week, if you need an extra reference, character reference on me, you're to call your great Aunt Margaret. How do you know my Aunt Margaret? The national pastor that's been my contact with her took us to her home. said, she got saved going to his church. And looked at me and I said, I started the church in Telescope. She said, I went to church in Telescope with her when I lived there, but it wasn't you, it was a Pastor Jeremiah. Then Michael interrupted again and said, this is the guy that started the church. Thirty-five plus years ago, God saved a lady, retired, moved back to her home village, who later her great-niece would become elected to Parliament and head of two cabinet offices in the government the two offices we had to work through to do the Bible project. I marvel at what our God has done. Almost as much as I marvel, he's letting me be a part of it. But when I was struggling with it and first surrendered to do this, I asked the Lord, I said, if you really want me to do this, I won't. No, I need you to do it in such a way that only you can get the credit for it. Only you can get the glory for it. From saving her great aunt and putting her in our church all those years ago to giving us a Bible publisher to do a custom run, they, things happened <clears throat> last year. Money's coming in just miraculously. Had a church we were at in July, and the pastor told me, we got a deacon's meeting in two weeks. I want you to call or text me on Tuesday, two weeks from now, and tell me exactly how much money you have on hand. 
because we're trying to get to 240,000 so we could place the order. They wanted 60% up front and 40% when the order was delivered or shipped. Well, we are just watching the Lord do amazing things. And when I was at a meeting in Tennessee, I stepped out of the service that morning, called Tabernacle, got the amount, texted it to him. Before I walked back in the auditorium, he called me. And he said, well, man, that's disappointing. We were trying to get to 240, and we had 280-something. No, one, one, 193,000, we needed 240, we had 193. And I said, brother, what's disappointing about that? He said, we were going to give you the 80,000 to get you up to the 240. Now we only get to give you 60,000 or something. I'm like, what? Small church, instead of taking on new missionaries, they just let all their missions money accumulate, and then they just, bang, do something big. Well, that was big. And he said, I made a mistake. The deacons' meeting's not till next Tuesday. Call me again next Tuesday, what you've got then. Well, before that came about, got an email from the publisher with two big changes. They said the publishers got thinking about it because this order is so customized, Grenada Bible Project logo, QR code, website, Da 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 da